I think you have to identify, you know, the right people to drive the innovation team. You're listening to Health Pilots, where we interview people pursuing new solutions to healthcare in low-income communities. In spite of significant challenges, our guests are passionate and relentless in doing things in a new way. In each episode, you'll hear how they use techniques from design thinking and how they work with tech startups and how they create a culture of innovation in their organization. Every interview offers practical advice and new ideas you can apply today. I'm your host, Chris Conley. Welcome to Health Pilots. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Mike Arato to the show. Mike is the Chief Medical Information Officer at the San Mateo Medical Center. There, he provides strategic leadership and executive management of the critical information technology that serves this public health system. He is also leading innovation efforts with early stage companies. This provides a real world clinical test bed for their new technologies and services. We have a lot to learn from Mike about the current state of technology in healthcare and how you might take advantage of emerging technical solutions to improve care at your own organizations. So let's get started. Mike, welcome to Health Pilots. Thanks, Chris. It's great to have you here today. Uh, it's been great working with you through the Center for Care Innovations. Um, but I'd like our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. And uh, why don't you tell us about your background and your experience and uh, ultimately what you're passionate about? Sure, thanks. Um, so um, my background clinically is that I've been an emergency physician uh, for over 20 years. And uh, although the first few years of my career, um, I was working in several different uh, hospitals around the Bay Area. Um, I spent most of my time here at San Mateo Medical Center. Uh, and then about nine years ago, um, the, uh, an opening came uh, for the uh, Chief Medical Information Officer, which was a relatively new position. There had been one person on, in, in it beforehand who was also actually an emergency physician. And um, so I applied for the job and got it. Uh, a lot of it was due to uh, my involvement uh, with our implementation of our electronic medical record in the, the emergency room. And so since then, I've been involved in several different implementations of software, including two more electronic medical records, one for inpatient, one for outpatient, and uh, also involved with uh, several different um, IT initiatives, including the usual meaningful use, ICD-10, and uh, now we're embarking on a, a strong business intelligence initiative. Uh, I'm the clinical lead on that. Um, I also um, am, uh, am board certified a subspecialty in clinical informatics, which is a relatively uh, new position. Uh -huh. um, and uh, although I didn't have any formal training, I, I, I sort of learned all of that on the job. So as far as what I'm passionate about, um, I think obviously working in a safety net institution, uh, which is a mission-driven organization, the first thing is to provide care for the underserved. Uh, and specifically with technology, I, I feel very strongly that obviously this demographic uh, hasn't always been the first to get new technologies or to, to to be able to experience them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when the CCI first uh, 
brought up this the grant uh, for the innovation hub i thought it would be a great you know opportunity to be able to uh, bring technologies uh, from the outside uh, into uh, this organization and to be able to benefit our patients uh, and, the, and the reason that also that i guess that instead of having some uh, development from within uh, instead of and, and instead we reached out from the outside to bring technology and one of the reasons first of all is um, the where San Mateo is positioned it's in sort of an epicenter of uh, technology and so there was plenty of startups and I think, I think there's at least 7,000 digital startups I think in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, and so it obviously was a you know a very target rich environment for that uh, and number two, um, we didn't have the resources here to do the type of technology that I thought was important to try, and we can get more into that later, uh, for uh, our population and also for, you know, our future. Uh, and the, in th the important thing about the technology, obviously, for me is that it's really the triple aim is that to um, bring technology that really decreases costs, increases quality, increases the patient and staff satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I think about the way to change the way that we do healthcare as we go from uh, volume to value. Nice. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned a little bit about San Mateo. Um, that provides great context, a safety net, serves a safety net community. Can you just paint a little bit more picture of the San Mateo Medical Center and who it serves? Sure. So. We have about a 77,000 uh, population that we serve. It's uh, you know underserved, uninsured, underinsured, and we're about the payer mix is about 80% uh, Medi-Cal. Okay. Uh, and um, we have uh, a medical we have uh, a medical center sort of essentially located, and then we have some uh, satellite clinics. Uh, the medical center houses that the hospital plus several primary uh, well primary care clinic and several specialty clinics uh, and then we have satellite clinics on the north end and south end of the county uh, which uh, also have primary care and some uh, limited specialty care um, we are not a tertiary care center we are not a trauma center and so we see more of the standard uh, type of pathologies mm -hmm. um, and take care mostly in the outpatient realm and so most of our business is in the outpatient realm and we see about 250,000 visits per year in that whereas our, our hospital like I said is very small it only sees about a little over 2,000 in terms of uh, 2,000 discharges a year and our emergency room is a moderately uh, sized one uh, with about a, a little over 40,000 a year uh, volume goodness okay yeah I'm still getting used to these these numbers of care and uh, number of visits etc it's pretty well, incredible yeah, how well, many there are. well we're actually a, a smaller um, an integrated health network or integrated delivery network compared to some other safety net institutions to the north of us and to the south of us which are probably at least three times as large okay. so we're, we're sort of a smaller one <laughs> nice okay good um, Okay, so uh, you have this amazing expertise in uh, med medical 
information technology, and you alluded to it in your intro, like the number of projects you have that sound like pretty complex deployments. Can you characterize healthcare information systems uh, kind of today and maybe recent history? And then we'll talk a little bit about where they need to go and why. Okay, yeah, it's pretty standard knowledge that the health information technology systems of today um, are based on sort of older uh, paradigms uh, where they're not so interoperable. Mm -hmm. um, they're mostly thick client and, and not web-based, uh, and they don't take into account uh, mobile technologies. Mm -hmm. And so you get, um, we're just like any other um, large system where we have, you know, maybe a couple hundred different applications and some of them feed into, uh, you know, a central system, some of them don't. Right. And, and the, our users are usually challenged with having to use multiple applications uh, during their daily work. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to fix that. Yeah, we're going to fix that. <laughs> I mean, where it needs to go, I don't know if uh -huh. that's enough of an explanation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so, and in terms of uh, where it needs to go, obviously, is it needs to go to, um, uh, and one thing that I did leave out is, for the most part, at least traditionally, it used to be that the, the applications were hosted and in, in the, you know, at the premises, so okay. in, in the their facility. Where it needs to go, it needs to go towards the cloud. Uh, it needs to take into account mobile. It needs to be more like web services instead of uh, monolithic, thick client applications. Mm -hmm. uh, and it needs to also be one thing that I also left out was that the user interface uh, design needs to to actually follow the basic principles of user interface and, U and UX design rather than um, essentially the design principles of 30 years ago. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so, what are the, those, yeah, that's perfect. Ahead, so what are the key challenges? Um, I'm interested in your opinion on, you know, is it primarily just a financial issue? Is it a mindset issue? Is it a migration and, you know, changing over type issue? What are the key challenges of uh, doing these types of things? When you say these types of things, you're talking about uh, implementing a new... Yeah, implementing new, lighter weight, web-based, mobile, yeah. yeah, modern stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, um, well, change, as you know, and change in any form, even if it's, you know, from real modern to even ultra-modern, I mean, change is difficult for people. Um, so there's just the standard change management and problems that you have. Um, I think uh, in moving from these up to these newer technologies, it's a, a mindset change also uh, with uh, housing them locally to housing them in the cloud. I think you know some organizations um, have some reticence about doing that because you know they're worried about security. Yep. And I think when the cloud initially came out, there was those were definitely valid. But I think that uh, you know as it's been out for a while now, it's become more sophisticated and and. Still, I think some people are holding on to, you know, the fact that, that you know, they, you know, it's safer w with them. And, and to an extent it is. I mean, they have control over it. And that, that's one thing that 
I think still needs to be developed a little bit with cloud technology, at least in terms of uh, maybe um, you know negotiations with vendors and agreements in terms of you know how what type of access do you have to the data, mm -hmm. you know, how often do you get it, how much of it do you get, etc. So that's another challenge. Um, and then um, in moving to like mobile, uh, that's changing a lot. That's changing infrastructure or changing uh, significant policy, for example. Uh -huh. Are you going to be allowing people to use their own devices, mobile devices, or are you going to, uh, you know, issue, yeah. issue them a device, right? And that's, that's a big deal. And um, I think you know, I think there's you know there's benefits and disadvantages in, in both camps. Um, although I, I prefer uh, one device and sandboxing applications, yeah. you know, health healthcare applications within your device. Uh, and then going along with that, um, I mean, I think it's some of this is uh, you know allows newer technologies and newer ways of care. And then that's a whole another ball of wax, right? So this, this is massive change in terms of changing, uh, for me, I think is changing uh, care from within the four walls to care outside of the four walls. Yeah, I think the, that's, a, that's an amazing point. Like we can get focused on the technology implementations, but the, the fact is the behaviors and um, procedures around healthcare are changing and what you're actually implementing is different than how we used to do care, not just the systems are changing, becoming lightweight, but you're caring for people in a different way. Yeah, total different methodologies. Great. So there's uh, rumors among the CCI people that uh, you tend to have a really good handle on the startups that are going on. You you head to the meetups and hang out with the technologists. Can you talk a little bit about that health health tech startup community? And maybe one of the ones we'll move into one of the ones you're working with, and why you're why you're pursuing that solution. Sure, I mean, um, yeah, uh, the well, the technology space obviously is, is it's great to be living here because there's so many. Uh, it's really fascinating. Um, you have a lot of uh, people who are coming in, some from inside healthcare. Um, uh, some with uh, outside of healthcare, yeah. um, because you know they have a out of the box sort of perspective, and that's fresh. Um, although, you know, I think there's in that case they definitely need some guidance from people within the box mm -hmm. uh, to make sure they can apply it. Um, I, I think there's all sorts. You know, there's uh, there's all sorts of activity on the hardware side is really exciting. I'm seeing you know. All these different sensors, not non-invasive type of technologies. Um, seeing, uh, of course, the mobile um, world is is exploding, uh, and you know I think the sky's the limit on that. I, I really think that that's sort of the platform, you know, of the future. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to become, you know, your diagnostic and therapeutic device. And well, it'll be definitely be your diagnostic device. I don't know about therapeutic, but it'll it'll help you guide therapeutic device and uh -huh. even simple terms of, hey, take your medication or check your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, and so there's some really great, exciting things that way. And then, of course, on the, the software side, um, the traditional software side, the, we have the analytics uh, sector, which is it has been ex you know exploding for the last few years. I, I think it's sort of 
lost a little steam. I mean, because, you know, when you get to the reality of the situation, you know, how exactly do you use these analytics? And they're, you need to use them, and they're, they're great. It's just I think there's, there's, in some ways, there's almost too many players in the market, and there's going to probably be a lot more of a shakeup there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just really exciting to see um, new ways of doing things and applying new ways of doing healthcare and especially from people coming from outside and and from those coming from inside too is you know changing the way we do things like we sort of alluded to before and and think of healthcare and and I don't want to this may be sacrilegious I mean <laughs> but saying it in terms of retail but right. you know in a good way not in an exploitative way but in a way that is is beneficial to the patient in terms of going to the patient instead of the patient coming to us, for example. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. retail is all about, you know, making them, making it convenient for the patient, making it, or for the consumer, making it easy for the consumer to make a purchase. Well, we can take that, you know, and spin it, uh, you know, extrapolate that to uh, to healthcare in terms of making, you know, go to the patient for their care and making it easy for their care. And that's, that's something that we have not done. It's been such a paternalistic type of uh, practice and, and, you know, obviously this is all being turned around upside down with, you know, now patient engagement is, you know, another buzzword that's on everyone's lips. And, you know, it's a way to essentially realize that, you know, we, that the patient is the, is the, is the customer and the customer is, has to be catered to, yeah. but catered to not because catered to to help them and empower them to be able to take care of themselves right. because in, in, in and then everyone wins. And I think bringing them as part of the team, you know, is, is really important. So the, the, a lot of these technologies are sort of really breaking the mold of traditional healthcare, which is really exciting and, and taking cues from, you know, Google, taking cues from Facebook, you know, social media, taking cues from things like Uber, um, you know, and just services, uh, the sharing economy, you know, et cetera, to, to really uh, in, sort of inject those into uh, the way we practice healthcare. Awesome. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice how uh, excited you are about the potential. And I also recognize uh, the value that you bring to the safety net being such a, uh, a deep expert in informatics and trying to be open about the new technologies but bridge the significant and serious uh, workflows and security and privacy that are inherent in this, you know, in this industry. But uh, to have your mindset uh, inside the field is a really important and uh, great um, feature to have, if you will. Um, So with that, and I think you've described it as a live test bed, you you know, you're helping the startups understand what the challenges might be because you're starting to experiment together. Can you give us an example of one of those and kind of tell the story of one of those trials or pilots or implementations? Yeah, I don't know if I want to like uh, do specific names or anything. I don't know if that would be the right thing to do, but I mean, um, I think there's, you know, in in working with these startups, um, I you know, we work with startups that usually have uh, already have a product. So I just want to level set here. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're at you know alpha or pre-alpha stage. They they, they are essentially beta stage. 
Um, and so they have a working product and so it can be used. And then we're not helping them like, you know, in really primary development. Um, and so uh, what's interesting is um, I think that they're uh, sometimes, and maybe because they're resource strapped a lot of the time is that there's, uh, I've noticed that when we do these pilots and I mean, it's on our part too, there's a lack of rigor mm -hmm. in terms of, of, you know, trying to, um, look at, at a, a design of the pilot and and um, really make it a clear design uh, with clear metrics and then also with a you know good project management uh, you know practice of uh, you know regular meetings following up and then um, doing uh, some iterative design mm -hmm. um, I found that in, in, in sort of in common with the, the couple of pilots that we started, already is that you know that's we've and, and i'm not putting it on them i think sure. it's on our side you know as we're learning too that these are some of the the, the things that i'm seeing that we have challenges with um and when you when you don't do that when for example when you don't have um regular meetings or you don't have a, a well-designed pilot then um then things start to unravel and it may go on for you know who knows how long and then you find out uh, like like i did recently with one thing that i found out that there wasn't uh, some sort of critical functionality that was needed um you know to help people sign on better to make mm -hmm. it more to make the the, the barrier easier to, to sign on yep. and that was sort of left out um and because we didn't have these regular meetings and 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 go over things like what are the problems or the challenges how can we sort of brainstorm to fix those yeah um, that um, you know sort of ling uh, uh, lingered for a while before we could sort of heard about it mm -hmm. another thing is um, what's really important is um, stakeholder engagement and um, you know we we try to um, meet with the stakeholders first of all when we think there's a technology that's interesting we, we don't make the final decision we let the stakeholders do that mm -hmm. Which I think is really important. So they get some ownership. But even when we did that in in one case, um, it turned out that the stakeholders uh, really weren't motivated, and maybe they weren't motivated because they didn't realize the um, maybe that they it required some participation from them. Yeah. And um, because uh, they didn't, the you know this this the pilot suffered. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's basic, you know, it's sort of like this is basic and, and obvious knowledge that you have to get the people who are doing the pilot have to be motivated to do it. But in this case, there was, um, you know, some providers who were really motivated to do it. But the ancillary staff who was included in the meetings turned out that they weren't as, they weren't as motivated. And so that, that created a, a dissonance there. And so that that made the pilot suffer. Yeah. Um, so. And then the, another thing I think is really um, uh, metrics. We actually have really excellent metric support from uh, our grant uh, through CCI. We have a metricist who works with us, who provides you know great um, uh, con consulting and uh, support on telling us what type of metrics. But it's up to us to collect them. It's also up to the, the, the startup to collect them too. And I find that um, this is an area too where we could define metrics beforehand, but then, you know, to get on a, 
a regular schedule to be able to report these metrics, uh, you know, and to review them again as reviewing problems with the uh, the pilot has been um, that's been a challenge too. Awesome. And so when you don't do yeah you know, when you don't do that, then you know you don't see you know how are you doing you know if it as, if it has to do with patient engagement or you know if they have to download an app or something and you're not looking at it every week and trying to figure out what's wrong then it can sort of go on for you know weeks uh, before you realize oh wait a minute we got a problem here we got to fix it yes and you know this has happened with one of the pilots we you know you know we realized that and we we, we got on a, a tighter cycle of of trying different things to make it work and we even you know I, I talked with the CCI group which is, is great to have as a resource the other hubs you know we sort of presented the problem and and they made a suggestion that actually uh, was able to increase some patient engagement so but that that that's something too that you just got to sort of be on top of you're uh, sharing so many important like dimensions of what it takes to do a good pilot uh, I feel like we could definitely uh, share that uh, we'll share it in the show notes but also probably through a short paper or something, uh, what does it take to do a pilot? Because you're not just buying off-the-shelf technology and using it kind of like in the consumer space. And, you know, I think it's important for everybody to realize as you get excited about a technology, the work is in, you're saying there's something about the pilot being almost a startup experience, gathering data, understanding how it's performing, making adjustments to uh, aspects of that pilot people aren't downloading the app they're not aware of it staff isn't um, updating whatever they need to update uh, those are all indications of you know how the solution can be improved so it works for the facility great information for the startup great information for uh, the hubs and how to uh, start adopting and, and spreading this type of technology right exactly so uh, you're a you know, we might be talking about them in, in reverse here, and you're a big advocate of sharing failures, and maybe those were, uh, you know, suggestions of three ways people can fail, but uh, do you have any other specific examples that you've seen in your experience, uh, maybe not specifically recently, but um, where it just, all this effort went in and it didn't really come out how everybody wanted it, and it was, you either learned something from it or you said, we'll never do it that way again. Well, I mean, I think when we, we actually had a pilot um, a, a long time prior to this, this CCI grant uh -huh. um, where we did really uh, learn something from it. And it, it had to do with, um, it was an a, a, a online pilot. It was a separate application, which was web-based, which was great. But the, but the problem, what it was is it, it, the, the provider had the login to the um, application, which was one problem we discovered. Mm -hmm. And then the other problem was that, you know, they had to go look the patient up to get some inf some analytics on them. And, um, you know, what we learned from that is, you know, for something to really work, it's got to be as, and it, this means obvious again, it's got to be as seamless as possible. So if you're going to have a separate application, then you better have it so that they can have single sign-on. So that when they mm -hmm. when they click on the website or they click on the shortcut, that it automatically logs them in, and it better be able to pull up, for example, the patient right away, um, rather than having to enter that. Because on that first pilot uh, a while ago, that predated the uh, CCI grant, um, 
we had trouble because providers weren't really accessing the site. Mm-hmm. And who could blame them when they had to do all that work, uh, uh, you know, when they're pressured to, you know, see a patient every 15 minutes or so, mm-hmm. Yeah, I 20 think, minutes. I think this is another uh, skill, and I think it's subtle. I don't think it's obvious at all when you're implementing a new technology uh, and you're kind of excited about it, you're pro-pilot, to be objective about people's experience with that and to see those places where we need to improve that solution because it's four steps to sign on or it's four steps to actually bring up the actual record and that was a minute and a half in a 15-minute visit. That's far too cumbersome. So that's one of the skills that, you know, as people uh, try pilots, not to get lost in the excitement of doing something new, which can be very exciting and motivating, but to be on top of finding those places where the experience just isn't uh, up to par and to see that and to be objective about it with your, with your staff, with your providers, uh, and with the, the technology implementer. Right. I mean, it, 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 a lot of it comes down to, and I think a lot, a lot of the times where these startups fail, as I think you're intimating, is, is it's, it's workflow, workflow, and workflow. I mean, if you really <laughs> awesome. don't take that into account, you really don't take that into account, they're dead. They just, even if they got the best technology in the world, if it doesn't really fit into the workflow that well, they, if it's the best technology in the world, the adoption rate will be slow, you know, really slow, and maybe it'll, it'll break them, they'll get bought out by someone who understands workflow, and then they'll do it. But if the technology, you know, is is good, but, you know, and how is it, how are you going to distinguish yourself? It's really, you know, how well can you fit into the workflow? And that's, again, where we were, harkens back to what we were talking about, people who are developing these great technologies and think out of the box but come from outside the um, medical community um, who don't have as much sensitivity to that that workflow. Um, That's an awesome point. Are there uh, workflows, are those kind of similar, although idiosyncratic, between institutions? Uh, Are there typical workflows that many different aspects of healthcare, like if, if there was a resource for sharing what workflows tend to be, is that something that could help startups be yeah. better understood? Or, yeah, I mean, I'm I, sorry, I, understand I, your workflows, actually. Yeah, I think there are basic premises about workflows in, in general. You know, there's one thing I always say that I'd probably get myself in trouble here, you know, saying everyone says, oh, well, my institution is different. Right. No. And I just... I'm sorry, I just don't buy that. Now, maybe, you know, my institution, I, I think a lot of safety net institutions are very similar. I think now if you compare safety net to maybe, you know, private community, okay, they might, there's some differences there, definitely. Um, uh, but there are also some, a lot of core similarities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking care of patients, um, you know, and how we do it, uh, although there, like you said, there is idiosyncratic differences, I think in general, there's there's some basic premises that you can adhere to in terms of workflows, and mm-hmm. the one that I just talked about, you're, it's really uh, faster, better, cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's faster and better, um, you know, providers are going to flock to it um, because that means that they can do their job uh, in, in a faster way, and and then they also can better implies better quality or you know better outcome. Um, uh, cheaper is going to be, you know, make the administration happy. Um, 
and you know reflects the bottom line and so that 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 tenant those tenants can apply everywhere and so but that then when you you know dig into the that those tenants they become well that has to do with workflows and yes uh, there are basic workflows that and basic ideas about workflows like i talked about the single sign-on and stuff that that can apply to awesome yeah maybe i'm thinking of somebody's starting uh, with a technologist or a startup or trying to um, pilot something to document your own workflows and visualize those or show those or walk the uh, your partner through that and see if you both <laughs> understand what they are so that the technology can start to be evaluated and mapped immediately to those those types of things since it's such a I mean you said workflow 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 is a pretty powerful statement right yeah uh, of how important I mean we, that's and when you're and that's what we did I mean you know, when we did a major, like e-prescribing, um, you know, that was a, a major workflow change. And, you know, we documented all the, there was extensive documentation of the workflow in that case, going from paper, uh, paper to paperless, you know, going from a, the paper to electronic medical records. Again, you have to document your workflows and we did that too. You know, we looked at what we did prior and how that was going to change in the digital world. and. Um, I think it has to be done in, in, in you know, a much smaller scale, but still when you apply these new technologies, that's really, I think it should be a best practice. Nice. And I'm, I'm saying that we, don't, we haven't, you know, we didn't do it uh, right. in this one, um, but. That's right. Live and <laughs> pilot and learn, live and learn. That's right. Pilot and learn. Uh, any final advice for kind of people who are thinking about they've got to get their institution going? Uh, what advice would you have for them to begin preparing? Um, well, first of all, I think the you need to have a clear vision of what you want to do. And for me, the, the, the vision was we want to be a test bed for startups that that are creating technologies outside of our institution. Mm -hmm. Some people may say, well, we've got the resources or we've got the will uh, to create things inside. So you have to sort of determine that so you and so you have to have a clear vision of what you're doing there you have to have um, obviously this is another no-brainer is ex executive support so for example you know uh, one of our values is innovation so it sort of fits into a, your strategic goals and I think that's a big thing that you hear a lot is that you know whatever you do in your institution it has to be aligned with strategic goals mm -hmm. and it is that sort of is like one of the check boxes and prerequisites for you know um, executive support. Then um, I think you have to identify you know the right people to be part of the to drive the innovation team. Now you know the, the innovation team can be a team of a person of one, but you know there's always people within the institution who are champions. Uh, and those are going to be valuable resources because these these champions are the ones that uh, command respect within their different service lines, whether it's, you know, within a service line, whether it be, you know, in the pharmacy or whether it's uh, in the surgery department, whether it's in the internal medicine department, et cetera, the outpatient department, primary care, et cetera. And you have to, if, if they're not part of this team, you, you have to get them aligned with you too, because they're going to be the ones that um, leg legitimize your your existence, and also will help you 
to identify, uh, especially in bigger institutions, the places where the pilots fit the best. And uh -huh. for example, that's, you know, we did, we use the physician champions and, and leaders uh, to identify, okay, where would this technology work the best? Uh, and then we would go and sh uh, demonstrate that that technology to them and see if they wanted to do it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's something that's important to sort of understand too. Awesome. And uh, and then I guess, um, and depending, you have to have the resources. If it's uh, internal, then you're probably going to have to have, um, you know, some type of set aside, whether at least initially with time to develop the the innovations or give you time to do the innovations or if it's from the outside that you are connected and networked enough so you can get a good deal flow and so you have a great choice of technologies to mm -hmm. pursue. Mm -hmm. Nice. I feel like you've shared so many practical points uh, and we'll try to pull some of those out and make sure they're right there in the show notes uh, so the audience can see the uh, throughout the interview, the types of uh, ideas and advice you're uh, you're providing—that's really cool. And I think you know we're, we have limited time, and we'll probably wrap this up now um, at about 35 minutes. Uh, but if you know, as we continue to develop this, to have you back on and talk specifically about a um, a way to do something, uh, we hope to have you. No problem. I much enjoy it. How can uh, people reach out to you, Mike? Um, or see more of what you're doing at San Mateo Medical Center? Well, uh, they can contact me via email at uh, m-a-r-a-t-o-w at smcgov.org or they can leave a message on my, or talk to me on the phone at 650-573-2389. Awesome. So much appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. Thanks for taking time. Um, and we'll talk to you again on Health Pilots. Great. Thanks a lot, Chris. You've been listening to Health Pilots, a podcast that brings you ideas, inspiration, and advice to pilot new solutions for care in the safety net. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We hope you take what you learn from the show and try it on your own. For more great ideas and stories, visit our website at www.innovationhubs.org. While there, subscribe with your email to receive our latest content as soon as it's released. Our show is made possible by the California Healthcare Foundation. Visit them at chcf.org. Health Pilots is a production of the Center for Care Innovations. Learn about all their great work to foster innovation in the safety net at www.careinnovations.org. We'll see you on the next episode of Health Pilots.